Sit down if you want to. Right in the middle of what's going on. I'm in the middle of an interrogation. Take a seat, young Skywalker. The middle children of history, man. Middle of the day, Alfred? Please, take a seat there. Right now, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Stop the middle of the base hit! Meeting in the middle. Fight, fight. They fought for the freedom of middle. 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 The middle of the middle of the middle. The middle of a war. Freaking ridiculous. Why don't we have a seat to talk about? No, not the middle seat. It's time to play the music. It's time to light the lights. It's time to have some fun on the middle seats tonight. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Andrew Ojay, and welcome to the Middle Seats Podcast, the best seat in the house for all things entertainment. We have a fun one today. Let me introduce my co-host. It's my waka waka wonderful friend, Mr. Nate Lungarini. <laughs> How are we doing, everybody? I see that Drew is in his dancing spirit, and I'm ready to party here. I'm in my very Muppet spirit for based on what we're doing today, but we'll get to that in just a minute. Let me introduce my other co-host. It's the grumpiness of Oscar the Grouch mixed with the irrelevant of Don Music, Mr. Jake Hensler. I do live in a trash can, so I guess that's fair. <laughs> uh, it's funny because it's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although, you're the one from New Jersey, actually, but anyway. Uh, we're oh, gonna, we're shots taking shots. Fired. I do not live in New Jersey anymore, but <laughs> willing audience, you're not going to find out where I live currently. Let's move off a topic before I give away too much information about myself. The Middle Seats Podcast, like I said, is the best seat in the house for all things entertainment. Our show is typically divided into three segments, as it is today. We open up with the discussion you would have at any movie theater lobby with Lobby Talk. Then from there... We head into the theater as the pre-credit rolls, the Hyundai Sonata commercials play. We talk about the news, the biggest news that is going on in entertainment. Then the lights dim, and then we go into our feature review this week of the Muppet collaboration R-rated comedy, The Happy Time Murders. So guys, there's a lot of good news this week. There's a lot of an interesting lobby talk I know we're going to get into. So let's get right into that lobby talk. Let's all go to the lobby. You're in the lobby? What do you look like? I will blow up the block before you can make the lobby. All right, so we are going to be reviewing Happy Time Murders later this episode. uh, And it comes on the cusp of this little R-rated resurgence in Hollywood, where a a lot of projects have been able to pull off the R rating and still be successful. So we're looking at your Deadpools, your Logans, your Sausage Parties. A whole bunch of financially and critically successful films have pulled off the R rating. And it's definitely a change of pace from what we've seen uh, in the last decade or so, where some fan favorite R-rated series like Die Hard or Terminator went for a PG-13 rating for some of their sequels, which pissed off a lot of fans. And all this talk about the importance of an R rating just got me thinking about other movies that could potentially benefit from being R rated if it's quote unquote more socially acceptable for Hollywood to pull that kind of stuff off. So uh, whoever wants to just go first. Really, crossover movies are interesting because they combine two things that you wouldn't think would work together that are completely separate usually and bring them together and try to make it work. Uh, That wasn't the case with Alien vs. Predator. Um, These are two characters, two hard R franchises. It was something that people had wanted to see for years, ever since Alien came out in the late 70s, ever since Predator came out in the 80s. Two alien creatures known for killing humans, turning their attention towards each other. They finally got together in 2004, and then the decision was made to completely cut the balls off of both of them and make it PG-13. Um, got neutered. It got completely neutered. <laughs> it was, I remember it was directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, who's known for the Resident Evil movies, which, given whatever you think about those movies, they're pretty hard R's at points. They have a lot of gore, a lot of a CGI blood, but they have some pretty gruesome effects in them. And then for whatever reason, it's got to be financial marketability that does it. But then I ask, like, why are you doing this if you're doing it for financial marketability? Because the people that are coming to see it want to see similar to what they see in Alien and Predator, which is like the blood and the gore and stuff. And let me be fair, Alien vs. Predator was rated PG-13 for partially slime slash gore. (laughs) It's the only movie to ever be rated PG-13 for slime. Like, this fucking Nickelodeon. I don't know. (laughs) Um, 
But yeah, watching it, it's not an awful movie, but it clearly could be so much better if they had stuck to what made those movies so entertaining beyond like the, the great filmmaking and everything, because that was never going to happen with Paul W.S. Anderson. But just the schlocky parts of them, that was completely missing. And then they tried it again in the sequel, but then the sequel had the R rating and nothing else. It was the worst movie maybe I've ever seen. But we'll see. Yeah, I feel like this is a, this was a common trend where we uh, where Hollywood just wanted to make sure it made the money. So it did the PG-13 rating to guarantee as many people could get their butts in theaters to watch it. Especially for something like Alien vs. Predator, which I think was kind of doomed at the start. But who knows? Someone could prove me wrong. I mean, I think it could work, like, as a very, very, very B-movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't, you're not going to get anything to the level of the masterpiece of Alien, or even Aliens. It was always going to be a messy crossover, but there was potential to have fun, and, like, it's hard to actually even have fun if the whole thing's in the dark, in a tomb, where you can't see anybody, everybody's getting killed off screen, you know? Like, yeah. I feel like your audience... These are two very iconic characters who their their following is already adults because their movies prior were rated R. So why make it PG-13 if you know your audience is not teenagers? And if they are, their parents can just take them. Like, you're not going to make that much more money by making a PG-13 and you're going to hurt the quality. Right, and I get the whole yeah. thing like it makes it easier for teenagers to go to it. But those teenagers that really like Alien and Predator at age 10, well, okay, well, they wouldn't be teenagers well, then, but yeah, you know what I mean, whoa. A- age 13. <laughs> Um, (laughs) they'll find ways to sneak in. You know what I mean? Like, don't neuter the movie for that very select demographic that shouldn't be able to watch it in the first place, quote-unquote. Right, like, go with the quality, go with the movie that you want to make first, and then, you know... I mean, I guess it depends. Like, certain movies should be PG-13, but not not two Manhunters fighting each other. Right, if only were that In what world is that good? (laughs) Quality over quantity, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Especially when the precedent was there with the originals. Right, exactly. Like, it, exactly. It feels like a strict downgrade every time you try to do that. Die yes. Hard 4 was the exact same way. Terminator Genesis, oh my goodness, that was a slog to get through. <laughs> R rating aside, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Jake, what's your pick? Um, mine is more of a platform than it is a pick. Um, so I'm going to go with Annabelle because I didn't know it was rated R until I started looking up movies today. I, th- I really did think it was PG-13. So looking back, I was, I don't know, confused as to why it was rated R. I know it's for, like, horror and terror and Conjuring got the same thing. But I didn't think there was enough to make Annabelle R. And that's kind of where I go, like, typically movies that are rated PG-13 that could go either way is for the money. Like, I didn't really remember any cursing. I didn't really remember a whole lot of, like, oh my god, blood and gore, like Evil Dead might do. Not, not saying everything has to be Evil Dead. But, um, I don't know. I just feel like if you're going to go R, like use it you know don't don't be like a soft r for no reason i would still prefer a soft r to a hard pg-13 to be honest i mean i'm not saying like like you know behead everybody left and right because it's not necessary but like if you're gonna go r let let's see it then i like i want to i want to know why right i don't want to be r just to hear two fucks and a little bit more blood it's not i feel like that's not you're not getting anywhere (laughs) right i do think there is something to be said though for the subtle r you know what i mean like I think that it comes to the discussion of how do we define the R rating. Because, like, when everybody has this picture in their head of what is an R rating. I think Annabelle does. um, But, like, I think we're remembering it differently. Because I remember there were specific moments where they, like, they would hold on the gore for a couple more seconds and just using sparingly. And I do think it takes a good filmmaker to know when to show the horrifying imagery and when to pull back. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And I do think, like, there are movies that, like, cut the balls off completely, where they just don't show the imagery at all. Uh, one that came to my head was, like, a movie like the original Ouija, where, like, there's, like, oh. people getting their ne- necks snapped, but at the same time, like, you either hear the sound effect three halls down, or you see it, and nothing, there's nothing. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing that makes sense to what you know about the anatomy of a person. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah. a little, I'm a little low-key salty that you mentioned that movie on our podcast in general, but... Yeah, um, but <laughs> I know. But I know what you're saying. Movies Trust me, horrendous. I only use it in emergencies. <laughs> horrendous movie. But. It's a red button, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Break out the Ouija. Yeah, call Ouija. <laughs> Click. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I remember thinking, Insidious was much more scary and effective than Annabelle, and that was PG-13. So why not just go that route? 
know? right? It's I think it's a separate discussion. What does the MPAA classify things as versus what are movies specifically that we think should have taken the extra step? Like it's all tied together. But, like, the NPA is so weird sometimes with certain things. It is things. very weird. Yeah. Yeah. Because one of the most controversial things about getting an R rating is language. So take a look at something like 8th Grade that just came out, which is a story about middle schoolers. And right. it got an R rating solely because of language and nothing else. Yeah, so ridiculous. Uh, but then you have horror movies that show terrifying imagery. You have gore. Um, like, war movies will do the same thing, too. And you can get away with a PG-13 because the MPA feels differently about violence or sex or drugs than they do about language. It's very backwards. Right. So to kind of wrap this all up, I'm going to go with a, a weirder pick for a movie that I think could have benefited from an R rating. And that is Jurassic World. And I'm, I'm for you. I'm with you. And I'm against now, you. Now, <laughs> yeah, hear, look, out. hear me yeah. out before you get against me here, Drew. I feel like Jurassic World as a franchise just doesn't have a solid identity for itself. It doesn't know what it wants to be other than the big blockbuster. I think an R rating could have had it go in a different direction from the originals that would have made its own place for itself but still stood along the Jurassic World building as a whole. If with an R rating, you could go all in on the crazy dinosaur deaths or you could even reverse it and go like the more comedic route and just have a lot of swearing in your dinosaur movie and have like realistic reactions if you were right, faced up with a t-rex what you wouldn't what would you go, go uh-oh could you imagine a rated r chris pratt hell yes i don't i'm not saying it'd be good but i'm saying it would be different and definitely better than the blandness that we got and I've, I've thought about this a lot because like because i agree with you if if we got an r-rated jurassic park world whatever you want it whatever you route you want to go even if it's totally separate from the franchise just an r-rated movie with dinosaurs in this case we can use jurassic world dude a velociraptor killing someone should be rated r other than money there's really there's like it absolutely should be rated r other than d- money <laughs> right because i mean i mean listen yeah. jurassic world was you know the first one made like what 1.6 billion worldwide it's stupid amount but like right. it's not going to happen if you're rated r I'd be all in for an, a rated R bloody dinosaur movie yeah. with real reactions and everything. I'd be all for that. Yeah, Universal is certainly not having any regrets that they kept at PG-13. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is for science, Drew. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm I'm against you less now, the way you explained it. You kind of – you didn't fully convince me, but I completely – I buy a lot the whole idea that the new trilogy is trying to be its own separate thing and not just like – because we complain so much about how Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom are aping off the other movies. This could have been the chance for Jurassic World to mature with its audience. Like, right. the people that grew up watching it and then taking it to the next level of, hey, I'm older too. Let's go a little deeper into this thing and see what happens. Right. Yeah, you've sold me on that. Um, yeah. My whole thing was going to be based on the fact that, you know, Jurassic Park franchise was built off of what you're saying, kind of like, it had a really nice balance of, like, the childlike wonder and the awe of the dinosaurs and stuff like that. Like, Jake, you even said you saw it at, like, age three. And it wasn't, like, too intense. I mean, it was probably too intense. Well, right? no, I, I definitely saw it too young. But right. I love it now. I was there is literally still like, a severed arm. Yeah, no, I was literally, like, like two or three when I saw it. it right. It was bad. But. Well, that first movie is just, it's a great example of, like, an all-audiences experience where, like, there is some actually pretty intense shit there. Oh, absolutely. But I'm totally, I love the idea of studios just kind of going for like Logan, Deadpool, even it, just saying like, yeah, we're going to go R with this. Yeah. Who wouldn't have loved to see Samuel, Mace Windu, Samuel L. Jackson call Anakin Skywalker a dumb motherfucker? <laughs> really? Who would have not loved to see that? Like George Lucas. I, <laughs> yeah. Right. But other than that, I'm pretty okay <laughs> with movies going R if it's, if they're going to do it right. Like get the story right. And if you want to go R, I'm about it. Kathleen Kennedy is cool trembling in her home right now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you should do go that far, Jake. I feel like an R rating needs a reason to exist. Right. Because I don't need to see blood and gore. I don't need to see constant swearing if it isn't adding anything to the story. Like, would a rated R Dark Knight be good? I don't think so. No, and same with Lord of the Rings. Same with Lord of the Rings. I think it would, it would hurt the tone for sure. Right. Exactly. But... There are some movies that, like, if they can get it right, I'm I'm okay with them going R instead of PG-13 for money purposes. The Dark Knight is, like, an F-word away from being R anyway. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty intense. 
Like, oh, yeah. remember seeing that at 12 years old? Like, oh, no. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, if they were going to do this with Jurassic World, I wouldn't want them to go, like, overkill, like, Piranha style. No, they would have no, to be no, a little no, bit more no. tasteful than that. Like, yeah, definitely. I, I hope so. Yeah. But who knows? Yeah, and I think that's a good place to leave it. Uh, tell us if you have a movie on the mind that you think was PG-13 or even PG back in the day that you should have been like, wow, that really should have been R. Send your suggestions, your comments, anything. Comment on this podcast or email them to the middle seat show at gmail.com anyway that'll do it for lobby talk let's head into the theater and talk about some news and this just in a news break special report i've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story so everything is not okay gentlemen with 007 james bond trying to celebrate his 25th movie and it is taking longer and longer to figure out what that movie will look like. Um, it looked like we were headed in the right direction. So it was aiming for a November of 2019 release. Um, Danny Boyle, of all people, the director of Slumdog Millionaire, Train Spotting, Steve Jobs, 127 Hours, really good director. Um, he signed on to direct the movie in March. Well, that is no longer a reality as of last week. He has quit the film. Uh, There have been a bunch of rumors of why he quit. The main one that I was hearing is that he had a disagreement with the Bond Brain Trust and Daniel Craig, who should be cast as the villain. He wanted a lesser-known actor who was in some Polish films that he made to play this Russian character. Uh, They wanted another big name, kind of like in the tradition that they've been going on with Javier Bardem in Skyfall and Christoph Waltz in Spectre. They wanted somebody else, and Daniel Craig has a big say in who they cast in what's going to be probably his final Bond film. So the question is, who steps into the shoes? Um, There are a couple of people that we know are on a short list of who they want. Um, Of course, the biggest name that's on there is Edgar Wright, Baby Driver, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Hot Fuzz, if you haven't seen any of his movies, what are you doing? Um, Great, amazing director. Other people on the list, also pretty solid directors in there. John Mark Vallee, um, best known for Dallas Buyers Club. He made Wild. Uh, He was in charge of season one of Big Little Lies on HBO really underrated series. Well, I guess shouldn't say underrated. It won a bunch of Emmys. But anyway, uh, Jan Demange, who made a really, really good war movie called 71. I think Jake has seen that. I did. I actually yeah. saw it on your recommendation. <laughs> right. Really, I, I love that movie. And another movie I really love, Hell or High Water, that director, David McKenzie, is also in the running. So guys, what do we think of the disagreements behind the scenes on Bond 25? which was rumored to be called Shatterhand, but I don't know if that's ever officially been confirmed. I don't think it has been. Um, and what do you think of the short list of people? Nate, what do you think? It's always a bummer to see a movie struggling. Even a franchise that's been going on as long as Bond has, it you always want good movies to keep churning out of the machine, if you will. Um, and to hear that this one is going through issues is definitely disheartening. The list of directors is an interesting one. Just because I feel like Bond is such an animal where you want to have some sort of consistent tone, even if your movie's emotion is different from Bond to Bond or movie to movie. I think the biggest question mark for me is something like Edgar Wright. Nothing against uh, Wright because I do like his movies, but his movies are always definitely more on the fun level. And in my head, I always picture Bond as more classy. And they aren't like exclusive from each other but those two things definitely seem the hardest to mesh together into a cohesive film especially with one as an identity as solid as james bond right and how intense daniel craig's james bond is yeah exactly especially if they're keeping craig on board um who i thought this was his last movie two movies ago so (laughs) um i actually thought the same thing as nate um i love edgar wright i love baby driver hot fuzz sean the dead's really good scott pilgrim versus the world like you said it's Great, absolutely great director, one of the best working today. But is he the perfect choice for Bond? I wouldn't doubt him, but I would be a little a little curious because, you know, he is fun, he's upbeat. But I, I like all those directors, truthfully. I think Edgar Wright would do a great job. I would really like to see David McKenzie, too, because Hell or High Water is a great movie, and it is intense. It's got great character work. It's got some good shootouts in it. So I'd have no doubt that David McKenzie could do it, too, but... It's always a little concerning that a director uh, leaves over creative differences because, you know, generally when a a good director like Danny Boyle has a vision, a lot of the time it works out. You know, we've seen this with Disney and like, you know, Marvel and Star Wars and stuff. So it's a little sad that they didn't want to let him go. But I get what, you know, they want a big name for a big villain. So, yeah, 
Danny Boyle is such an auteur. I mean, you're right. It does work out in a lot of spaces. But this happened exactly with Edgar Wright. First of all, that's one of the biggest reasons why this is shocking to me. Because Edgar Wright already did this exact thing with Ant-Man and dropped right. out of that. Like, right. he's really going to set himself into an environment like this again? I don't think that's happening. His style is kind of the antithesis of what the last few Bond movies have been. So I can't believe I'm about to say this, but on this list, he's probably my fourth choice. I think the other three would be better fits. I especially, I agree, David McKenzie would do a great job. I think Jan Demange would be my pick, just remembering what 71 was like. Uh, it was a super intense, super well-shot, gritty war movie. If it rushes involved, you got to think it's going to be like a Cold War spy thing. That's uh, true. And if it's going to be like that, then I think he would be a really good choice for it. Jean-Marc Vallée is a really good director who's a journeyman. He can adapt his style to a lot of things, too. Um so I think they have their eyes on the right people. There's no way this movie's making 2019 at this point. Like, there's no, there's no shot. No, <laughs> like they'll have to push it back. And Daniel they don't Craig, even have a director yet? <laughs> right, exactly. Daniel Craig's gonna have to bear with this a little bit more. Although, here's the thing about that: if he is so bent on getting out as Bond as soon as possible, why the hell is he slow in the process like this? Like, let Danny Boyle knows what he's doing. Let him make the movie he wants to make. He will make you look good. Like, if he is a big part of getting Danny Boyle fired. And yet he's such a contrast of like, oh, I'd, wanna, I'd rather slip my wrist than play Bond again. Then I don't get it. Like, let the movie happen. It'll be a good movie with that director. Danny Boyle does good work. So I'm, yeah, a, little, I'm a little ticked off at Daniel Craig right now. Just like <laughs> he's acting like a bit of a prima donna from what I've been following the last few years. Um, but anyway, we're going to continue to track the developments of this James Bond. Danny Boyle, of course, a big auteur, very much into artistic expression one of the more talented directors working out there. Another really talented director out there who made a big splash a couple of years ago with a little movie called Cabin in the Woods is Drew Goddard. Uh, and the second trailer for his new movie, Bad Times at the El Royale, premiered recently. First time at the El Royale? You have the option to stay in either California or Nevada. This is not a place for a priest, Father. You shouldn't be here. You watch me? I only watch who they tell me to watch. Who's they? Would you mind opening the door? No, I ain't gonna do that. Which side are you on? Right, wrong, red, or black? I've done horrible things. Shows everybody. Shit happens. Get the whiskey. To be true. Like I mentioned, Bad Times at the El Royale is directed by Drew Goddard, who made a great horror comedy in 2012 called Cabin in the Woods. Uh, he's been involved in other projects. He helped write The Martian, starring Matt Damon. He was a big part of season one of Daredevil on Netflix. Uh, he's just been in and out of projects all over the place. He's a protege of Joss Whedon. He has ties to J.J. Abrams. Uh, and his new movie, it stars a pretty star-studded cast. John Hamm's in there, Jeff Bridges is in there, Dakota Johnson, and he reteams with Chris Hemsworth. It's due out on October 12th. Guys, what do you think? Let's start with Jake this time. Oh, I am super, super excited for um, Bad Times the El Royale. Both trailers get me really excited. Got a great cast. You know, like the feel and the tone feels very suave, very cool, um, but also mysterious. Um, I really like Cabin in the Woods a lot. I haven't seen it in a while. He was also, um, you know, I like Daredevil season one. I like The Martian. So, I mean, most things that Drew Goddard attaches himself to have gone well. So, com you know, combine that with the fact that I really enjoy these trailers and the cast. I just, I can't imagine it's not, you know, a home run. I'm really, really hoping it is at least. I'm, that's probably the next movie I'm super excited for. I also just came to mind real quick before we get to you, Nate. I also forgot he was supposed to be the guy that direct. I can't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> Remember that Sinister Six movie they wanted to make with... Uh, Andrew Garfield's Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. yeah no. he, he was supposed to be attached to that, so they That's screwed him fantastic. out of that. But. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, anyway, Nate, <laughs> follow that up. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't even know this movie existed until I saw the preview when I saw Happy Time Murders. Um, and I kind of like jilted up in my seat because usually I've seen all the previews going into a movie. And th this looks this looks very interesting. We don't know a lot about it, <laughs> like the, the premise, like yeah, I love the it. premise literally ends on everything goes to hell. <laughs> when I'm looking at this Wikipedia page here, and I'm all about that, <laughs> and I, I'm sold. It's like I haven't seen John Hamm do much of anything, um, so seeing him in a movie is really cool. Um, Jeff Bridges, 
looks like he's Jeff Bridges, which is always fun. Um, Chris Hemsworth looks very freaky. And all the rest of the supporting cast looks like this will be a very interesting mystery. I'm just excited. Like, I, I think Drew Goddard solely wrote and directed it, right? Like he's the only mind on it. I believe so. Because it looks like, because it, it really does look like he's got a vision for this. Right. Even little things like the, the El Royale is a hotel. Half of it's in California, half of it's in Nevada, I believe. Mm-hmm. I that is just, your geography pulling through there, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just little things like that. Like the characters look very specific and precise. The premise, the location, everything looks like he just knows exactly what this movie want, is supposed to be. And it looks really good. Right. Like I'm just, I'm super excited for it. It looks like an amazing successor to Cabin in the Woods because they're very, Absolutely. they look like they're going to be very similar. Cabin in the Woods is so razor sharp and so surprising. Like, I don't even want to get into any details of what that movie's about if you haven't seen it. It's one of those movies that you want to go in knowing nothing about it except that. And you know what? If it's, if it's structured like that, like a, a completely bonkers third act. Right. Oh my goodness. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. Like, would it really even surprise you if that is what happens? No, but like, I'm hoping it is. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I'm absolutely hoping for. It looks great. I think it looks so good. I've been looking forward to it. When I was compiling my top ten most anticipated of the year at the beginning of the year, and I saw that finally, he hasn't directed a movie since Cabin in the Woods. He was attached to probably while. fucking Sinister Six for like three years, and they are like, oh, by the way, we're not doing that. Like, we've been deprived of a movie as good as Cabin in the Woods in the same similar style. Uh, the cast looks great. Somebody that we didn't mention, I'm really happy that Dakota Johnson is separating herself as much as possible from the Fifty Shades series. Because yeah, she is, my goodness. She's so much better than those movies. Everything she's in besides those movies, and even then, she's probably one of the best things about them. And I'm very glad to see her get high-profile roles working with these really good directors. Like, she was working with Luca Guttagino. Uh, she worked with Scott Cooper on Black Mass. And now she's working with Drew Goddard. Uh, obviously, John Hamm, Jeff Bridges, Chris Hemsworth. Very excited to see them. So I think... Generally, it's not a visual podcast, guys, but thumbs up. Amen, hallelujah. 100%. We'll we'll probably be reviewing it in the near future, so stay tuned for that. We better be. Anyway, so let's move away a little bit from movies that are coming out to things that we watch here at home. Uh, Streaming services, of course, they're the big big thing that the kids say, Netflix and Hangout, right? That's it, guys? Did I get it? (laughs) I believe so. Yeah. So there are some challengers to netflix out there there's hulu there's cbs all access or whatever uh hbo go hbo go yeah yeah netflix is the top dog but now a new challenger is emerging a new service called disney play so disney play is their new streaming service they're taking a lot of their content off of netflix they're sacrificing guys listen it's 300 million dollars in the rights that netflix pays them to have Marvel movies and have Pixar movies on their streaming service. Taking all that away, losing $300 million to move on to their own thing. So you think, why would you give up that easy cash? Well, they have a plan. It's coming sometimes next year. We learned this week that it's expected to cost less than Netflix. We officially learned it was called Disney Play. Um, It will have some classic Disney content, the Pixar movies, the Marvel movies, the old animated movies, but also other things, original projects, new Marvel shows are supposed to be coming, new Star Wars shows. We know a live-action show worth like $10 million an episode is coming from Jon Favreau, who, of course, directed Iron Man and started those Marvel movies. Oh, wow. Uh, the Lady and the Tramp remake with Tessa Thompson as Lady should be Wait, coming. what? Oh, you didn't know? No? Okay. We'll get no. to that. <laughs> Google that later. That's coming to, straight to the streaming service. Other things, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, the new movies that are going to theaters will end up there. The 2019 stack of releases with Dumbo and Avengers 4 and Captain Marvel and Toy Story 4 all going to be on this new streaming service. So guys, does Disney have a legitimate challenger here to Netflix? That's my biggest question, I think. Oh, just the fact that Disney can pull off this kind of move just reiterates a point that we've made several times in the show regarding Disney's like pseudo-monopoly going on. They own so much of the movie market and so much of the critically successful movie market that them pulling out of Netflix like this is going to be a serious bite in Netflix's catalog. Star Wars, Disney, like Disney classics, uh, new Disney remakes, all of the Marvel movies. That's a lot of big blockbusters. Like some of those movies are one of the few movies that people see year round. So it might make sense for a lot of like casual moviegoers to 
only use this service because this is 60% of their media diet when it comes to movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this it's, is huge. it's crazy to think about. And again, Disney is just massive. The mouse cannot be stopped. It is a full-on wrecking ball at this point because it is just absorbing so much of the market. So is Netflix in trouble? I say yes. I agree. I think this is going to make so, so much money. The only way Mickey Mouse can make more money is if they, like, got Target. Like, there's... <laughs> Like, if they own Target, they, they bought, pretty much just like, own like the Like, if world. they bought Target the store. Yeah. Like, I think if they just <laughs> bought, like, Target the store, they just own the world. Like, what else don't they have? They own, right. like, everything. <laughs> well, then they would have to go get Walmart, too. I, I I think they'd make Target so much better than everything else. Target's amazing already. So if they team up with Disney, it just, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm getting at. But The Middle Seas podcast has no affiliation with Target. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, dude, this is... This is going to make stupid amounts of money, and rightfully so. Star Wars, Marvel, and Disney originals, what else do you have to know? Everybody's going to buy this. This is appealing to all, pretty much everybody. If, right. The Star Wars fan base, the superhero fan base, and the girls slash guys, not discriminating here, girls slash guys who love all the animated and regular classic Disney stuff. Dude, this is going to take over everything. I know we're not visuals. I'm literally waving my arm. This <laughs> is going to be stupid big and i'm probably gonna buy into it also because disney owns everyone and everything right well okay yes or no really quickly do people give up their netflix accounts for disney play some not all i feel like it's gonna be a situation where some people buy disney in addition to their netflix and then if Uh, netflix starts tanking or like they realize, hey, I can't remember the last time I've opened up my Netflix because everything's on Disney Go. Then they might cancel Netflix after they've made the switch. I don't think this is something like you drop Netflix right away. Right. I think you got to wean yeah. off of it first. And there's a chance that Netflix makes a move to respond to this. Like mm-hmm. Netflix is so far deep in their own original programming that they've kind of neglected the movies that they have available. Like they don't have as much on their content list as they did before. No. Now, does this force them, when they know that they're going to be losing Black Panther, when they lo- know that they're going to be losing Finding Dory, Civil War, Civil War, stuff like that, are they going to make a push to buy Universal's catalog or, like, you know, get the licenses working so that they have more movies available? It's just something to think about. I don't have an answer to it. Yeah. Um, I, I think Netflix will be fine, generally speaking, but, yeah, when this officially happens, when is it supposed to happen again? The fourth quarter of 2019 is when it's expected. Okay. So, like, late 2019. So, 2020, Netflix is really going to have to step up their game. And they better start preparing now. Right, and they will. But I, think. I think they'll be okay because they've done so well for so long. But this is definitely going to hurt them. Yeah, they got such a head start. And they won't go out of yeah. business or anything. This is not a movie pass thing where a competitor shows up and the business goes out of business. <laughs> but like, exactly. <laughs> you know, it, they're, they are going to see a little bit of a loss. And they're gonna, it'll be very interesting to see how they respond. Okay. That'll do it for the news segment. Um, uh, one of the things that I did not mention on that Disney play that I was, forgot to mention is a possible Muppets reboot. So for our review purposes, we're going to talk about the Happy Time Murders. I love singing and dancing. Hiya, folks. For 50 cents, I'll suck your dick. Welcome. Someone out there is killing puppets. We're gonna catch the bastards who did these murders. You're one of the best damn cops I've ever seen. Cop, good cop, where is your dignity? I'm not doing this. Do it. Oh, sorry about your dead human friend, Phillips. That is good shit. Well, fuck me. Maybe. That was a snippet of the trailer of The Happy Time Murders, the new comedy that opened up recently here at the end of August. It was directed by Brian Henson, who is the son of Jim Henson, the creator of The Muppets, the co-creator of Sesame Street. It was Henson's passion project to get this R-rated Muppet cop comedy made. It stars a couple of really high-profile comedic human actors, Melissa McCarthy, Elizabeth Banks, Maya Rudolph, Joel McHale, Leslie David Baker... It stars a former Muppet detective turned private eye, Phil Phillips. He has to begrudgingly work with his old partner, human Connie Edwards, that's Melissa McCarthy, to solve a series of murders of the former cast of a television show for kids 
called the Happy Time Gang. So there's mystery, there's puppet sex, there's puppet drugs, there's puppet cursing, and there's much more. So guys, it's been a rough couple of weeks for the Happy Time Murders. This movie was blasted by critics and audiences. 21% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, God. C-minus cinema score. Oh, God. $10 million opening. The lowest of Melissa McCarthy's career. So I'm very curious to see where we come out on this. Are we going to join the mob or are we going to go against the mob? Jake Hensler, what did you think of Happy Time Murders? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm bandwagoning this also. I was pretty disappointed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought that the, I thought the trailers looked funny. I was like, what a great trend. Sausage Party, which I liked a lot. And now, you know, Happy Time Murders is going to go into this childhood turned R-rated thing. Great. Awesome. Fun. Nope. Not great. Not awesome. Not fun. Didn't happen. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what happened, but I, it, not a lot. Not a lot of good happened. I got like a chuckle here and there. And generally it was just, it was pretty bland. had like no atmosphere. I had no connection to any of the characters. Like I just, it was very just kind of bland, came and went. I'm not going to remember much of it except, I don't know, a couple things here and there. And that's it. Pretty disappointed. Ouch. Oscar out to play. <laughs> uh, Nate, do you agree with the grouch? Yeah, I I will echo Jake's sentiments here. I was fairly disappointed myself. Um, to harken back to Sausage Party for just a brief moment, I was disappointed in how little of the premise was used in Sausage Party, and this movie did a far worse job of implementing its premise. We have rated R Muppets, and I was expecting lots of gags, lots of crazy things um and earn that r rating but use the muppets this didn't feel like a muppet movie to me i was just sitting there in my seat picturing huh this scene would play out identically with human characters yeah it'd be a really it'd be a really boring buddy cop movie but you could do the exact same movie bar a couple scenes um with a human character instead of a muppet the fact that these are puppets in the real world doesn't really come into play here other than just oh look that sock swore that's not funny you need to have a movie around it and this movie didn't pull it off right they really bank on it working just being the fact that it's muppets hmm. and it doesn't <sighs> you guys are really gonna make me defend this aren't you <laughs> what? uh we are not all on the same page really here. we're not <laughs> uh is is this movie great no Absolutely not. We're not doing that. Um, but I really didn't think this was as bad as people are making it out to be. There's like a, It's weird because there's a lot of stuff I agree with you guys on. There are a lot of jokes that miss. It's kind of bland. It doesn't really have a visual style. Uh, the story is passable but not like anything great. However, when the jokes were hitting for me, they were hitting pretty hard. I was laughing a pretty good amount. Um, I wonder if it had to do with the fact that, Jake, you were the only one in your theater – Nate, there were, like, three other people in yours, and I was with, like, 20 to 25 people, and, it, like, half of them were clearly stoned. Some of them were, like, 15. <laughs> this was a Deadpool situation and a sausage party situation where there were, like, eight-year-olds with their parents. They even played a warning about the movie beforehand. Like, there's a lot of inappropriate stuff in this. They had, like, the one of the drug addict Muppets warn parents that this is not, you know, suitable for children, but yet, no, they were still in there, and they were all laughing. Maybe it was just, maybe I got, like, a, an infectious atmosphere crowd atmosphere and that happens sometimes like it, that happens with some bad comedies and then you'll watch it again and be like what was i thinking that might be a situation here but both me and the guest that i went with she and i really didn't think it was that bad like we were enjoying ourselves some most of the jokes are just over the top raunch you're right a lot of it is just mileage of one note jokes of seeing a puppet have sex or do drugs or curse but they're like there were little small things in between that were working and I thought there were, like, attempts at social commentary. Like, they were, like, throwing the beanbag close to what Zootopia did, but, like, we're barely getting inside the circle. Yeah, it basically I just, saw where they were going, but... Right. It basically just boils down to people being like, ew, Muppets. Right, racist against Muppets. Like, there was an attempt. It clearly was a passion project. Clearly it's something they've been working on for years, and it's clearly a swing and a miss. But, like, I, I was kind of charmed by certain elements of it. I don't know. It, it's weird, because... I'm definitely going to defend it. Like, 
I'm just warning you guys. All right. Let, all right, Nate, let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> you got the baseball bat. <laughs> I, w- I just thought a lot of the jokes and a lot of the thing either relied or like the R rating, they relied on a lot of it being, oh, this will be funny because it's Muppets. But it, I didn't find it funny just because it wasn't funny. Like I need more to it than just, oh, that Muppet's fucking that Muppet and they said fuck. I like I need more than that. For, to, for it to really stick. And I feel like it didn't have a whole lot. Yeah. See, I did think it was doing some pretty funny stuff with them. Like, yes, like I said, a lot of the jokes are one note and such. Um, but, like, it was doing a lot of stuff that was making me laugh based on the premise of being it being Muppets. Like, I don't think it was as, like, basic of jokes as you're saying. Uh, there's just something funny to me about seeing, like, a Muppet light up a cigarette or... You know, the whole sex scene is outrageous and stuff like that, but the use of, you know, it was in the Red Band trail, the use of silly yeah. string, the little silly details like that are like, they're nothing great, but I it, like, you can see the effort there is the big thing. I'm not sounding great here, but like, I know, <laughs> I, like I'm yeah. doing my best here. I just, I, I'm just trying to make up for the fact that I enjoyed myself while I was watching it and there's nothing I can do about that. Like, <laughs> Right, you're entitled. My thing, Drew, is that I feel like this just couldn't have been stretched out into a full movie. I think this would have done much better as a short. Because you're right, there are some fun elements, like seeing a puppet light up a cigarette is a good example. Like snorting sugar instead of cocaine. Yeah. Like, that's that's a funny, but you can't make a whole movie based on just like, oh, this is that thing, but in puppet form. Right, yeah. Like, I feel I, like this is this has SNL written all over it, or maybe like an right. HBO special or something. I actually, I kind of agree with uh, that. I, I think it could have worked with more talented people. Like, you could say the same thing about Ted. You can say the same thing about Sausage Party. You can say the same thing about Team America World Police. Mm-hmm. They would work better in short forms. Like, And this movie should have been shorter than it was. I think, well, it was like an hour and a half and it still should yeah, have been like an hour Yeah, that's the thing. It was only like an hour 30. Right. <laughs> the like, too much it, should have been, it still should have been 10 minutes shorter. But like at the same time, I just, I don't know. I think it really could have worked because I've been looking forward to this for a long time. I was too, Ever actually. since I heard I was, about it. I was excited for this. No, and I, I agree. I think with better minds, this could have worked. But for what we got, it just, like, like Nate said, snorting sugar instead of cocaine, Right, that's funny, but it's not for me. It's not laugh out funny, and it's not enough to hold me over. It's amusing. That's very different from funny. It's right, it's amusing. like it's like, oh, that's a nice detail, but it's not holding me over. It's not winning me over. It's not doing anything. Like that's... that kind of stuff is in the background of better comedies. Right, like I'll, like Futurama. Mm-hmm. That would be like a background gag while we were transitioning. Right, and the second time you the see next, it, you, you know? go, oh my god, look, he's snorting sugar instead of cocaine. That's so funny. Yeah, right. Like, it needed a it needed a punch up writer really bad, and it needed yes. somebody like like a Phil Lord or a Chris Miller to come in and kind of just you know add little they jokes probably would have been like perfect. Actually. They would have killed this. You probably I mean, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like I looking back on it, the big huge jokes, like okay, I thought the silly string thing was pretty funny. I thought like the snorting of crystal it was pretty funny but like at the same time those were all in the trail i think the moments that caught me off guard were the smaller things like melissa mccarthy i think does a pretty good job here yeah i thought she was okay i had a fun time with her and i think her interactions with philip phillips the puppet it's such a stupid name to say out loud so much <laughs> like but like her inner her like little interactions and the little fucking jabs they would give each other were probably the things that like caught me off guard the most and she she has a very physical performance very often, like she does, they make fun of her weight and they make fun of what she looks like. They call her a man a lot, which, like, mm-hmm. she doesn't look that mannish, in my opinion. But, like, the cast is doing a lot of the work. My Rudolph is rarely bad. Uh, Elizabeth Banks pretty wasted, but, like, when yeah. she's in it, she's solid with what she has to do. Joel McHale is funny as the butt of a couple of jokes. Yeah. Was that the FBI guy? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I disagree wholeheartedly with that. He did nothing. Well, that's why I said he was the butt of jokes. I wouldn't say he was good. Like, if you're counting, like, the three jokes at the end that are the same joke just said three times, sure. Right, and I, they yeah, let me laugh. I, just, I don't know what that to tell you. That made you like, laugh? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, boy. We got different senses of humor. I, I, I think the first time they did it, I laughed, but in, at, at the end, I was like, you didn't come up with anything else for this? Okay. They used the same joke three times within a two-minute time span. Yeah. yeah it, it, like I said, it okay. needed a punch-up writer. That's yeah, right. I, I, desperately, I think. Desperately I'm not against that. Bit. Like, yeah. That was like a low point in the movie for me, right at the very end, too. That was the low point? Oh, I think that, the movie <laughs> The movie climbs to lower places. I, I was going to say, I think, you know, you can, you might disagree with this, Andrew, but I don't think the Muppet Phil Phillips 
carried the movie by himself. I think it should have been Miss Melissa McCarthy in A World of Puppets, not this puppet being discriminated. Like, I just don't think his story quite held me. You know, I think I needed a better character. You know, they're going for the noir thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I totally got that. But I think I needed somebody stronger to hold the movie. I didn't quite... Oh. I didn't quite feel him as a lead. I can see I can see it reversed working. Why not? <laughs> At this point. I didn't mind Phil Phillips as the lead, but like his role was to be the straight man. And I think the rest of the world around him had to be more ridiculous to pull it off. I, I can see that too. The world around him was just a little too serious and a little too standard. Like again, you could have had the same movie without the puppets and you could have had the dialogue stay the same and it would just be another noir movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think ratings time, guys, and then we'll move into spoilers. Yeah, I think I that's fair. Um, so if you're just joining the Middle Seas for the first time, we rate movies on the seat scale. If we give a movie that we think is, like, amazing, has no flaws, we give it a royal throne. If it's a movie with very minimal flaws and we think it's pretty great, we give it a plush recliner. If it's a movie with some pretty hefty flaws but overall is better than it is worse, we give it a wooden seat. If it's the inverse of that, where we think there's a lot of flaws, but there are a couple of nice things, we give it a damp lawn chair. And if we think a movie is completely awful, we give it a sleazy outhouse. I'm curious to see where you guys kind of land here, because I'm kind of in an interesting place here. Yeah, I can see that with you. <laughs> and I, I can see that it'll. I think what you give it will shift the tide of where I'm going to go as far as a final rating. Nate, why don't you start? I'm going to go with a damp lawn chair. It just was overall unappealing to me. It had a couple jokes that landed. It had a couple of cute moments that I want to get into when we get to spoilers. Um, that definitely gave brief windows into what this movie could have been and should have been, but ultimately just wasn't. It was just disappointing. It had such a cool idea for a movie. Awesome premise. And it just is wasted on some pretty lackluster jokes and a really mediocre plot. Yeah, I think this is, you know, I think this is pretty much a pretty standard um, damp lawn chair. Like, I, I like to reserve my sleazy outhouses for the awful and my royal thrones for the truly great. So I'm going to be picky on those opposite ends, which is why I find myself either damp lawn chair, wooden seat, or plush recliner quite a bit. But this is, um, this is a classic flop for me. It's something that I was excited for. I thought the trailers were funny. And came around and just totally missed me. I didn't, you know, I was pretty disappointed. It wasn't awful. I didn't hate it. But I was just pretty blatantly disappointed. I just didn't think it was as good as I was hoping. Um, and it could have been a lot better with better minds. I actually think you nailed it. Phil Lord Christopher Miller would have been great choices for this. But, you know, it just ended up being pretty disappointing. I doubt I'll watch it again or anytime soon. <laughs> right. Brian, Brian Henson might be a great puppeteer, but he's clearly not a great director. Right. Like, that's a big problem. Um, right. Like, this wasn't awful, but it, it, I don't know. I didn't enjoy it as that a whole lot, so. Right. It was just flat. Yeah. I don't know. Kind of. I'm still, like, I'm really conflicted here, guys. Because <laughs> I feel like I'm far away from you, but I'm not, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like I had a good time watching it, but I can fully acknowledge everything that it does, almost everything that it does wrong. I just had a good time, like. And you can't deny that because I, I totally know what you mean. There are movies where I'm like, damn, I know that really wasn't well made, but I had fun. I need a ruling, I know what Nate. you mean. Can I do a wooden lawn chair? <laughs> <laughs> Stick to your gun. Uh, if you, if you want to give it a positive rating, go wooden seat. I won't fault you for it. I am going to go with a low, 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 rotting, crumbling wooden seat. That sounds worse than a damp lawn chair. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be... I need to be a step above you guys because I did enjoy myself. Um, I am not saying anybody should rush out and see this. I think if you rent it, you'll get with very low expectations. I came in with dirt expectations, and I found myself just kind of like, okay. Right. I didn't hate this. I was just going to, ugh, damn, it could have been better. Right. So let's move on to spoilers. I don't think we'll have a lot to say there. Uh, if you have not seen Happy Time Murders, don't worry about it. If you have seen Happy Time Murders, <laughs> come with us in our spoiler section. Whoa! Oh, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Excuse me, spoiler alert! So, guys, it's it, like I felt stupid. I saw where it was going. I didn't see actually that the fact that like she was the daughter of the guy he shot years ago. Like I didn't put right. that part together for whatever reason. 
Right. Um, why why did they bring back Elizabeth Banks' character at the end? <laughs> and then do nothing with her. And then yeah. she never came back after she got knocked out. Yeah, yeah, Elizabeth Banks was totally wasted. You did not need her then. Why did she have to be in on it? I'm confused. Honestly, honestly, she's probably a waste of money. You could have had somebody, like a C-list celebrity that maybe a couple people have seen in a couple places and would have done the same yeah, thing. Yeah, get the girl from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Just have her do it. Um, Actually, so I will say one of the positives, and it is a spoiler, so I couldn't bring it up. One thing that I did find pretty funny and pretty effective was the reveal um when she when she crosses her legs like uh what is that fatal attraction basic instinct basic instinct basic instinct instinct. (laughs) yeah so i was like oh nice basic instinct and then when they put it together with that i was like no shit that's (laughs) funny all right i will give you that that was a fun twist i was like yeah i'll give you that that's pretty funny i will give you that that's a good one (laughs) if we're if we're doing positives i want to say that this movie needed more goofer (laughs) <laughs> the only the only scene that we get with him is uh what you see in the trailers where he's sniffing the whole sniffing, thing in the trailer um, yeah. the, the sugar yep. however what i think one of the funniest parts of the movie is when they find his body in the river and they rig him out like a towel <laughs> right. like, that's that's the kind of stuff that you could do with a murder muppet movie right the other the other one that i really liked was when the dogs were the murder weapon and they were just like cute, adorable puppies. That, that made me laugh. That, that was that, gold. That, yes, that, that was really funny. The whole funny. movie needed stuff like oh, that. Nate, man, we're, we're totally on the same could, page with this one. Exactly. Yeah, I feel that. You gotta kill Muppets in hilarious ways that would be completely silly with humans because it's Muppets. That's right. what you gotta do. And you know what I love with the, uh, what was it, Goofer? When they ring him out, they go, uh, you might want to turn away. You're not going to want to see this. It was great. Uh, I forgot about that dog part. That that might have been my favorite joke. Yeah, the dogs are pretty funny. Yeah, that was good. Um, I really liked the running bit with Melissa McCarthy having the liver, like the Muppet liver. Because they get some really funny mileage out of that. Like, she's, like, instead of drinking bourbon all the time, she goes on, like, maple syrup benders. They open her fridge, and there's, like, 50 things of maple syrup in there. I just thought that was that was like a funny funny take on like the the puppet is the alcoholic and she's like an alcoholic but like for maple syrup like right I thought that was, was hit cute. or miss like some of it was good and some of it was okay right yeah like I I didn't get why that why she wanted the the sugar cocaine until a little bit after the scene like right. that didn't land with me but the syrup part did um, though did anyone else like feel bad that that much syrup got thrown out. Like, that's uh, just expensive. Right, yeah. <laughs> Glass yeah, bottles like, you and stuff, could, too. It was yeah. like a uh, homeless shelter down the road. Hello. <laughs> right, yeah. It's like an easy $300 worth of syrup right well, there. Wait, do you go to homeless shelters and give them just syrup? What good like, is better that? Better than nothing. Better than uh, nothing. Yes, yeah. Buy pancake mix then. I don't know. Right. <laughs> they get they kill some puppets in some really gruesome ways in this. Like, the pulled apart by dogs, shot in the head, like the cousin, the cousin spouse is chopped up and stuff like that. Like trying to assign that to what happens to like adults or like if that was to happen to a human, ugh, that'd be gruesome. Right. I just, I truly just didn't think a lot of it landed. Like when he goes into the the porn shop and they're milking a cow, I didn't really think that was anything. Yeah, funny. I thought that was stupid. No. Um, and there's just, there was a few things like that that I was like, I see that it's supposed to be funny, but you're, it's not, it's just not landing with me. I didn't, right. I don't know. I, I feel like I didn't come with enough ammunition because it's been almost a week since I've seen it. And, like, the things I found the funniest were, like, throwaways. They were, like, quick little one-liners, little yeah. jabbing. I liked how uh, – one thing I'm remembering right now is that one, like, businessman who's being, like, really anti-puppet and he throws, like, a fucking orb at his head. Like, yeah. I thought that that was pretty amusing that, like, he just got so pissed off that that's how he dealt with the problem. And then it never comes up again. Like, the – the storytelling's pretty sloppy. Yeah. Like, why do they think he like it's so unnecessary for them to think he's in on it? Like, yeah. She has no evidence that he's in on it. She just her word against theirs. Like, he's really got to go on the run for that. They got to arrest him for that. Like, well, I mean, he was at every murder, so I kind of got where they're going with that. But like, there's still no evidence. Yeah, but he's also a private eye. Like, I was so surprised that they killed all of the happy time, like all of the happy time characters. Right? Did they kill all of them? Yep. I was pretty surprised died. about they that. They were all I, murdered without really an introduction to what their characters were. Yeah, I thought a right. couple of them would stay. Yeah. I was surprised they all. There's kind died. of a, uh, some of them are kind of repeats too. Like there's the one that's like the drug dealer, and then there's the one that's like the drug user. It's like okay, we get it. They're all addicted to drugs because they used to be on a, a show. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Oh, or a stripper, or this, or okay, all right. of them. Yeah. yeah. I thought Maya Rudolph and Melissa McCarthy scenes together, sans puppets, were pretty good. Maya Rudolph in general, I enjoyed. 
Um, she's playing very much like an old-timey, like, secretary for a private eye. Um, mm. And it's cute. Like, I don't understand why they needed to end up together at the end. Like, that was barely set up, but, like, mm. I was kind of over it at I mean, that she, point. She asks him for a drink, so I guess there's your setup. Right. <laughs> but Whatever. I mean, we can we can talk about the, the sex scene next now. Oh, yeah. I mean, the whole thing's in the trailer, pretty much. That's true. Yeah. But I thought they, they could have done more with that. I was expecting more, because I was like, oh, I saw that in the trailer. That was funny. I can't wait to see what they do with it in the movie. Right. And then that was it. And it, I actually don't even think it really fit. Like, for me, it felt there just so they could say, we there's your Muppet sex scene, we did it. Right. Like, it didn't even really feel that necessary, in my mm. opinion. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it was a gratuitous. Shoehorned. It was gratuitous. It made me yeah. chuckle, but, like, I knew it was coming. Mm. Literally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, they, well, they didn't even do any fun gags with it. You know, like, um, I'm thinking of uh, Team America, like, that sex scene. That's a great one. They, they throw the mannequins in... Like crazy, ridiculous things that are just right. They do like the most looks, hardcore it, stuff. Like it yeah. looks stupid on purpose. Here, it's yeah. literally just two puppets going at it. Like you don't, you don't see anything right. that they even miss the easy dick joke. Like that is dick was made out of felt or something. Right. You don't exactly. Get any of that? It's literally just sex for the sake of sex. Right. Like there's no humor. I there. will say that I loved. I, I'm a sucker for like in the end credits with these kind of movies how they show how they did it. I love it when they yeah, do like, I did stop like motion that movies. It was pretty cool to see that like they had guys in complete CG having to do this, and the fat and the silly string stuff was literally just a hand underneath yeah, the yeah. camera. Yeah, I did like all that. I appreciated that they did that at the end. Right, and it made me appreciate yeah. more of the artistry. And that's what I'm saying. The, the attempt was there, for yes. sure. It just yes. was a kind of a whiff. Right, and it wasn't awful. It's just it didn't hit the mark like Team America did in Sausage. This Party. movie looked like it was a blast to work on. Yeah, but it was not a blast to watch. Right, I, hey. I feel like the actors that were in it knew what they were getting themselves into because I don't remember seeing any real like interviews with Melissa McCarthy about the movie or anything like that. None of them like did press tours for it. I'm pretty sure they knew it was a turkey. Speaking of turkey, I'm hungry. It's time to start to wrap this up. I think. Yeah, I, I think we're kind of kind of bleeding dry here. Yeah, Jake, why don't you give your final thoughts? Um, it's certainly not bad. And if you, you know, if you enjoy things like Team America and Sausage Party, if you enjoy the, the raunchy humor from a kid premise or, you know, that just whole shtick, you know, give it a, give it a shot when it comes out on DVD. But I mean, actually the DVD, I don't even, even rent it from. There's, no, there's no blockbuster to rent it from anymore. Get it um, on Disney know. play. Oh wait, no, it won't be there. Cause they tried to sue them. Definitely won't be there. But, um, if you enjoy this kind of stuff, the premise interests you, give it a shot when it's out of theaters. Like I wouldn't pay a whole lot of money for it or go to matinee if you really want but i don't know i was just i was pretty disappointed and i'm hoping this doesn't deter other movies from trying things like this that's what i really hope doesn't happen because sausage party was great team america world police was a hit even movies like ted so i hope they you know they keep trying things like this and if it fails it fails but i would hate to see like this bomb so bad that they just don't try anymore needy yeah i went to this movie uh hoping that i got a little bit more out of the premise than what we actually got uh, it's a shame because there's definitely the inner workings of some real genius in here, but it's just sprinkled with mediocrity or just lackluster plot, jokes, the works. I'd love to see another attempt at something like this, but I don't see it happening anytime soon. And it's just a shame that it didn't work out this time around. Yeah, I can see this becoming like a cult movie in the future. You know, like one of those Midnight Madness movies where like, like, it's got a small audience that really digs it. Right, 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 right. Like, it, it has its little small following, like, really avid Muppet fans that are really into it. Um, I'm not I'm not putting myself in that camp. I'm not signing up for the anniversary screenings yet. <laughs> um, but I had, I had fun with it. Like, it's nothing great. It's sloppy. It can feel like a good time and a missed opportunity at the same time, guys. Like, I'm not addressing you guys. I'm just saying everybody listening. Mm-hmm. Um, the jokes, when they hit, they hit pretty hard for me. And that's all you can really say. Like, a comedy is supposed to make you laugh. I laughed enough. You want this to be good so bad. <laughs> right. Like, no, 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 no. You I'm, wish this was better. Yeah, I'm just, I'm conflicted because I feel like I should be more with you guys. Like, I feel the dark side compelling me. But at the same time, <laughs> like, I can't deny my inner feelings. Use searching. your anger. Right. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh. This movie's exhausted me. I'm exhausted. Let's end this episode of the Middle Seeds Podcast and this review of the Happy Time Murders. Before we get to the finish line, Mr. Nate Lungarini, where can they find us on the internet? Alrighty, so here's how you can get in touch with us. Please like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Middle Seats. You can also listen to us on the go on both SoundCloud and iTunes. For any questions, comments, or updates on the show, 
Keep an eye on our Facebook and Twitter, both at The Middle Seats. If you like what you hear and you want to see more content, let us know and spread the word. If you liked what you heard here, like Nate was alluding to, you can find us on all those platforms. You can also watch our secondary show, Freeze Frame, where we jump in our time machine and talk about a movie that relates to the movie of the week. This past Freeze Frame that is going up online as we speak here on the episode right now, you'll already have hopefully listened to it. It's a review of Sausage Party, another R-rated unique comedy in the style of Happy Time Murders. Another episode will probably be coming in the coming weeks. Next episode, we're not really sure, again, what we're reviewing. It could be a bunch of things. It could be Operation Finale. It could be Searching. Could Probably not going to be The Nun because Nate freaked out when we— Because I'm a scaredy pants. Yes, because Nate's <sighs> a scaredy pants. Uh, could be Predator. It'll be something. We will review a movie on the Middle Seats movie podcast. So stay tuned for that. That'll do it for this episode. For Nate Lungarini and for Jake Hensler, I'm Andrew J. Take a seat, everyone. We'll be back soon.